0: What's up, gang? Thanks for joining me. I'm alive and well. This is coming late, obviously. Thanks to all the folks that reached out about my post about being sick the last couple of days. Dude, I don't know what it was. It wasn't COVID. Everyone asks about COVID now the second you're sick, of course. I get it, but it wasn't that. Uh, none of the symptoms were COVID. I was just, it was violent food poisoning. And I don't know what it came from. I made some vegetable soup yesterday. Was it yesterday? Yeah. And... I think I may put some tainted onions in there or something. I don't know. That's the only thing I can think of. Maybe I ate a salad that I had left sitting out. Been eating a lot of salads lately. That's what I get. That's what I get for trying to eat healthy. You know, vegetable soup and salads, and I get the most violent food poisoning of my life. And I'm by myself, so I'm I'm throwing up like six, seven times, and it like every time, you know. I feel like I'm going to die and pass out. I'm literally just like praying, like, don't pass out. Don't collapse and smack your head on the hardwood floor. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, I could barely walk. It was, I had, it was crazy. I, um, it took me like six hours to fill up my jug of water to get up to the fridge and do it. Cause every time I, I I was laying on the couch and sleeping then I would sit up and then as I was sitting up, I'd be like, Ooh, that takes too much energy. Just even sit up and I'd lay back down and fall asleep for another hour again. That's what it was. I feel a lot better now. Still a little woozy. I'm still taking it easy. I'm actually recording this podcast in the middle of the night. It's like four in the morning, because my sleep schedule's been all over. I slept. I laid down at like two o'clock yesterday and slept the rest of the day into the night, and that was the rest, minus getting up to like you know, violently throw up. Uh, I slept for forever, and then same thing today because I got to go to Chicago. Um, later today, I guess now so I'm recording this, in the middle of the night. But like, I gotta go to Chicago uh, this weekend, so for 10 days, 11 days, something like that. And so I gotta be in, I gotta be in tip top. I gotta be rested up. And I'm already not looking forward to the dry hotel, man. I think I might buy a travel humidifier. They used to not mess with me, but holy shit, it it does now. Uh. The dry, ho- just my sinuses will get so messed up. Every time I'm in a hotel for more than two days, I think I have COVID now. because I stopped tasting everything because my sinuses are so messed up. But it's just the damn hotels. So I got to get a travel humidifier or something. And of course, it's a blizzard. So I got to, you know, make my way to Chicago through a blizzard. So what a good time. Everything's coming up my way. Markets are crashing. What a, What a good time for everything. Same story as always. Inflation, treasury yields. I mean, how boring. We don't want to keep talking about it, but obviously, it's gonna. Hey, man, how many trillions of dollars got printed last year? Yeah, cash isn't worth as much as it used to be. Now, again, my point keeps going into, you know, you can try to play the game of chasing what the big money's doing, moving into value plays and this and that. But it's like, yo, like I said, the value play a couple weeks ago was energy and and casinos. I mean, if you want to move your money for that, go for it. But I don't trust myself to time it like that to 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 know when to sell to buy back in. It's just not super worth it. You know, maybe sell off some losers if you if narrow your focus, I always say that. you know if you if things recover a little bit and you want to get out of some positions you not you don't believe in as much to give yourself more cash to go heavier into the companies you really believe in. I always recommend that. You know, go from a top 10 to a top five, maybe. But outside of that, I mean, what are you really going to do? Just uh, buckle up and hold on. Inflation is going to be a hot story for a while until these Fed rate hikes go into effect. But just like markets overreact on positive news, they overreact on negative news. So I think it's just the, it's the markets we live in now. There's way more retail traders. There's way more, you know, tomfoolery going on, <laughs> if you will. You know, you have all these, you get the Wall Street bets, you got people like me saying do this and that, all these social media f- finance people. It's a whole thing now. It's, it's just a, it's, Things are going to be a lot uh, different than they used to be. You know, it's going to be a little more, a little more volatile. And I think it's funny, um, you know, how people think, I, I always say like a big overlaying theme for me is always like follow the big money, see what hedge funds are up to, where they put in their money. um and that was kind of like the whole rally cry of like Wall Street bets last year. It's like, "Oh, no, we're going to shut them down. We're going to beat them." And it's like, "Dude, they've they have special departments that track social media trading accounts to position themselves accordingly." You don't think they do that? The second that shit went they've been on Reddit for years. They've been on Reddit for 2 years, 3 years, these hedge funds already. Yeah, it became a big story last year cuz Melvin Capital got a little cocky, you know, at the uh at the short feeding trough if you will with amc and gamestop and they got bit a little bit but they're gonna come out fine and they're gonna it's and there was some shady stuff that went on with that whole thing i didn't really go into it but there was something with that let me hang hey, me do a quick little google um there's something with that guy like disappeared let me find him hang on one second we had now now I got to go down this rabbit hole, but there because there was something about related to that, and it's kind of fishy. Where it's like, oh, the government's going to do what they need to do to help protect these hedge funds, or they're doing some, they're playing dirty, basically. Hang on, let me find it. Okay, so that took me a second. I went and researched this, and thank God for my uh, conspiracy friends and my WhatsApp stock group, because that's how I had to get this information. It's hard to come by on Google, but it's a few things going on, a few moving pieces here. So, federal agents, the FBI, raided the home of short seller Andrew left. So Andrew left is the founder of Citroen research, the company that famously shorted GameStop last year, had his computer seized by the FBI linked with uh, his shorting research, which I don't know why that's illegal. He didn't do anything wrong there. Uh, But at the same time, Ken Griffin, the hedge fund manager of Citadel, his private jet left the country and a data center for TD Ameritrade burned to the ground a fire at a data record center facility right before the sec initiates a new transparency rule that would have exposed all the short selling transactions. <laughs> uh, holy shit. So, well, there you go, guys might want to sell that AMC and GameStop cause, uh, they're going to find their way out. Like they always were going, to, they were always going to find a way. I mean, what a fun they did. It's a fun, it's creative. That was a fun way to do it. A little arson, you know, get the FBI on your side, leave the country on your private jet. It's good stuff. It's like sh- it's like billions in real life, The Showtime show. It's real life billions. If you watched the last season, Bobby Axelrod <laughs> ends up leaving the country on his plane. So, Ken Griffin and Bobby Axelrod are hanging out in Russia now. What a fun time. And speaking of hedge funds, our beloved Square stock, you know, the company now known as Block is increasing in hedge funds positions end of q3 last year 98 hedge funds held square and previously all-time high was 94 hedge funds and it's the 18th most popular stock among the 30 most popular stocks across all hedge funds so i just want to keep reiterating this because i know square is getting punished and i keep talking about it because it's a stock i've recommended heavily so i feel like i have a a reason to say why I, i recommend it so as it's going down i have to uh you know, relay my convictions. So I think there's a there's a handful of things going on. And I think I've mentioned this. I don't know if I mentioned this in the show, but I've been, I've been saying this to a lot of people <laughs> via WhatsApp or DMs. But obviously FinTech's taking a, a, a hit across the board because a lot of these like peer-to-peer transactions, like these digital like payments are becoming easy. A lot of these companies are doing them. There's a lot of point-of-sale customer like Toast is coming out. Shopify has a point-of-sale system. So it's all coming into Square's like... You know, eco, you know, seller ecosystem, but why I like Squares, they go way beyond that. But again, of course, that that peer-to-peer payment system is getting flooded. Apple announced how now you can basically use your phone to accept payments. That was a big thing, um, and that affected Square's stock. But really, the Apple thing helps everyone. This is going to bring, it's going to bring more adopt, like just more regular adoption to digital payments. Apple's always really good at that. I feel like companies will develop this technology, and then Apple will find a way to make it like easy for everyone to use, and then that just blows up, and it becomes like, you know, who would have? Th- I would have never thought my parents would be using smartphones, you know, ten years ago, or whatever. It's but now you're like, oh, it's just like a normal thing. Like every every boomer on the planet has an iPhone, so <clears throat> I feel like that's what they can do with digital payment stuff. So it's it. it I think. Th- Initially, it it made everyone be like, "Oh, it's gonna kill Square's business," but no, like digital payments are still pretty like small. They're pretty. They're pretty. Not, it's not very used. Let's say I don't know how to say it. Like it's not. Um, I don't know what the exact number is but it's still not a big part of how we pay for stuff. We still mostly pay for everything with credit cards, cash, whatever. It's not a lot of digital payments, essentially. Not yet. But Apple doing this now brings awareness to all of it, kind of lifting everyone up. So it's actually going to help everyone in fintech because it's going to just get everyone into digital payments. And that's why I like that uh, compared to other companies like PayPal. I like that. I always say Square is forward thinking. They always stay a couple steps ahead. That's why they renamed to Block because they're kind of trying to move out of that... Um, that point of sale part of their business, that digital pay that um, you know yeah, point of sale. The the little the little white squares you see at coffee shops with the hipsters trying to get a two dollar tip on a black coffee, you know, that business. So I like that they're moving away from that and then doing all like their banking charter, small business loans, uh blockchain, their own crypto, uh marketplace essentially. So it's like, you know, PayPal just now is looking for a team to build a cryptocurrency exchange on their platform. It's like, dude, you know, or not a crypto, not an exchange, but a a blockchain, like, um, mining, um, uh, like part of their company, whatever. So PayPal just started researching or or just started trying to hire people for that, like a few months ago. And it's like, dude, you're a year and a, a year at least behind on that. Um, so, I like that they're. It's everything else that I like Square for. It's like there. There's so much more to their business just than just the point of sale. And 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 Square's been taking a lot of. They haven't reported earnings yet. I think they report February 24th. Sounds right to me. I think it's the end of the month they report their earnings. So, but PayPal reported earnings. It was a big disappointment because their gross payment value, their gross merchant value plummeted because they separated from eBay. Square's not going to have that problem. They're not separating from a massive company like eBay that PayPal was forever linked to. It's like. So they're not going to have that. I mean, I'm not saying their earnings is going to like be insane, like uh, this massive like blow out of the water, but I just don't think it's going to be as bloody as like PayPal. And Square has been paying the price for PayPal missing earnings and Affirm missing earnings. So it's like, you know, the stock's been getting beat up for everyone else's shit. And I think they have a lot more to offer than those companies that are getting beat up right now. Um, and if it just to re- on the side of Bitcoin, I'm, I'm kind of becoming more and more bullish on Bitcoin as every time it takes a dip down and climbs back up, I've more belief in it and I've been seeing it happen more and more, obviously. Uh, and again, that's a big part of what block is up to, um, in addition to like their seller ecosystem and cash app. And again, it's not just me. Kathy Wood dumped Twitter entirely. I think she got rid of all of her Twitter shares in the arc portfolio and reduced her PayPal holdings to add to the block holdings. So kind of what I've been saying, I said the same thing before, you know, I like that Jack Dorsey left Twitter and is now focusing on block. It's nice to see Kathy Wood being like, okay, I'm going to get rid of Twitter. I'm going to stay with him on block. I like seeing that. Um, she added $63 million more, 62, $62.6 million worth of uh, block to the ARK Invest portfolio. So around $63 million. Um Hey, you'd love to see it. And it, Wall Street's still agreeing with, with, with uh, Square for the most part at this point. 29 out of 42 analysts surveyed by Investing.com rated Square as outperformed with an average price target of 248. That implies an over 100% gain from the current level. So, And I had another buddy, uh, Keanu Trades, my buddy Ryan Campbell. Um, he sent me a text and he kind of mentions before, where he's like, dude, Square's market cap could get cut in half as soon as a company like Apple or Google or Facebook does like a digital payment uh, just decides to add that to their phones. They could just crush them just like that. And so he sent me a text like a couple days ago and I was like, he's like, this is what could do it. And I was like, spoiler, it has been, it already did happen. So this is a great buying opportunity because it's like, yeah, that did slash the market cap in half, but there's a lot of other stuff going on to be excited about. You know, they went from like 110, $112 billion company at the top to now they're like a $50, $60 billion company in that range. So yeah, it already did get slashed in half. So at this price, if you don't have a, a holding in Square, I mean, around $100 is almost a no-brainer. And again, I keep saying sub-100 is still in play, but there's still there seems to be a hard uh, resistance at 100. I say that on a day where it could probably plummet below 100 because markets are, you know, the whole inflation news is hot. So yeah, sub-whatever sub is in play. I'm just saying like if there's value now, if things take a hit, it becomes no brainer. just depends how much cash you have on hand. I'm still trying to wait out uh, probably the rest of this first quarter, you know, this month and into next. Maybe I'll start buying up more in the spring. I've made a couple of things here and there. Like I think when Square went down to 100 right on, I think I literally bought one more share in my Webull account just because I was like, man, 100 bucks, not hard, hard to say no to. So I literally sent over like $100 to my Webull account just to buy a share because I'm just really trying to build cash right now. But, you know, it's hard to resist some of these. So um, see what um, we'll see what happens. Amazon reporting earnings last week, That was they blew it out of the water. And again, to the point we've been making all of last year, AWS, Amazon Web Services, proved how powerful it is to the bottom line. Without Amazon Web Services, Amazon would have posted like a $1.8 billion operating loss. And I said that on an episode last year where I was like, dude, if you, you know, buy Amazon for AWS alone, because they could actually lose money on Amazon prime and still be a very profitable company. They could lose money on their e-commerce and still make a shitload. And that's exactly what was shown in this last earnings report. So, um, you know, Amazon's not slowing down. They're going to raise the price of Amazon prime everyone's raising the price of everything. Hey, inflation, whatever. It's going to happen. Revenue rose to a record $137.4 billion for Amazon last quarter. Insane. Uh, again, I always like thinking of those numbers where it's like $137 billion, So it's like more, a m- more market cap than so many big companies they make in a quarter in revenue. Uh, and so to follow... Amazon's the top Fang stock of 2022, according to Bank of America. Last year, we mentioned how Goldman sock Goldman Sachs Goldman Sachs had picked Amazon as their top internet stock of 2022. It's the top hedge fund holding, something we've mentioned before. So, just reiterating, I'm just trying to go through. Like, I'm not putting price targets on things, but I try to see like good news and good like reiterate why some of these companies are so powerful and doing so well so as things sell off you're like wait a minute this doesn't make sense like look what's going on here so see where the big money goes through oh and before i forgot to mention on the the block stuff before um another jp morgan analyst i think we've talked about him before dan dolov rated a block as an overweight with a bullish rating because of the afterpay stuff that we've been talking about the afterpay deal officially went through i love using them You'll see about it more. Hopefully, Afterpay is not losing as much money as a firm. I I don't think like you know Afterpay was a uh, an Australian company, and I think they were doing quite well over there. That's why Square made the purchase. Because if not, why wouldn't you just make that in house? You know, you don't think Square would be able to develop that in house, like their own like buy now pay later system. But I think they they bought Afterpay because they wanted uh, the built-in customer base. So I'm hoping that uh, again square taking a hit because of a firm doing poorly and paypal doing poorly i don't think they're going to do as poorly with their own earnings and with the afterpay stuff still to be determined wanted to make sure i mentioned that before i move it on um kathy wood has a new fund coming out and i'm not big on etfs i always talk about that like don't buy etfs just buy google and apple stock like make that that's the pineapples etf just google apple that's it um maybe Tesla, but really just Google and Apple. Those are the two that I would just say forever. Kathy uh, Wood has a new fund coming out and again, I'm not big on ETS, but this is an interesting one. It's called the arc venture fund and it would be, it's basically a fund that would invest in private companies and it's going to limit withdrawals. So <laughs> you're not going to have as many swings in uh, inflows or outflows kind of have more of a comp. I like the idea of this. This is what I might get into because I always say how this is going to give you access to pre IPO companies essentially. Because it's 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 going to be Kathy Wood and her fund investing in in private companies, and so now this fund it's going to have a minimum investment of a thousand dollars and then with limit your withdrawals. But I'm all for that. That sounds great. I've always wanted access to IPOs. And I've always said it's just a, it's a big money game. Who doesn't know to invest in some of these companies ahead of time? Like if you were a pre if you were a pre IPO holder of uh, Airbnb, if you got it at the you know at the real IPO price. It was like $65 a share, $66 a share, something like that. And then it opened to 150 and it went as low as like 120 So even at its absolute lowest, you, imme- you had a double up on it. You've doubled up your money on Airbnb if you were a pre-IPO holder or could get the real IPO price, as I say. So I like the idea of this fund. I don't know when it goes into effect or when it becomes available, but it's one that I'll probably throw some money into because why not? That sounds great. I'm all about that. I've always wanted access to that um so i'll keep an eye on that i don't know when it goes into effect but again i'll uh i'll definitely be throwing money at it and we'll let you know when i do speaking of airbnb i'm still a, a big fan <clears throat> of the stock and the company i well, am not much of am a fan of the company i just use the service they're getting kind of pricey <laughs> some of the fees and stuff but that's everything again everything's going up but one thing i like and it's something i've talked about uh for a while, and why I like the company, and even on the video that we did about Airbnb is doing long-term rentals, going get breaking into that market where how they kind of want to become like their your landlord essentially instead of having like a lease with an apartment complex, you can just do yearly rentals on Airbnb, and then kind of like you can reevaluate them every year. Or like my brother is going through this right now in, in California. He's looking at a new place and stuff like that, and he was saying how like the at Airbnb kind of acts like the intermediary for and like you know takes a fee obviously for whoever's listing it and you can just do you know 3 month, 6 month, year rentals and you know agree to whatever you know price and kind of like your um I guess your rating would kind of work like your background check. So I don't know exactly uh how much money they're going to make from this or how big it's, you know, but I like that they're moving into this and you can do this more and more. And I looked into it myself. You can do it. I looked for it in New York just being like, "Oh, what can I do a 6 month rental for?" And so it's kind of nifty. I think the only hang-up is you got to put more money down. I don't know how much... Um, um, oh, no, you can actually set up like a monthly payment thing. It just authorizes your account to... It, you have to set up like a bank account where it can authorize like withdrawals, essentially. So uh, again, something that we'll probably see reflected in an earnings report or uh, some sort of analyst talking about it weeks down the road. And then I'll come back on this podcast and be like, hey, remember... When I said it, hey, <laughs> and we'll, we'll do it all over again. It'll be fun. Um, it's also big talk about Peloton. I know I've shit on Peloton for like a year plus. And now they're kind of going on a little bit of a spike because there are, people are talking about how they might get bought out. They have a new CEO who looks like a Bond villain. He immediately, f- they fired 3000 people <laughs> from the company. That's rough. Right? Last year working for Peloton, you think, "Ah, man, nothing's going to go wrong. We're the future of fitness. And now 3,000 gone. And here's the kicker. Their severance package was a one-year Peloton subscription. (laughs) Is that not a kick in the balls? That's hilarious, by the way. I mean, that's evil and dirty, but hilarious. Come on. Is it not? So... talk about a buyout i've seen buyouts uh i read a white sheet where we're saying there's that a what there's a buyout that uh could be coming where peloton would be worth 65 a share is that's what the buyout offers are being reported as the offers are being reported as like that's what the they want i guess or could be possible so it's like that's i mean what's peloton sitting at now uh let's look it up real quick the apple stock tracker app on my mac is so damn slow it's impressive Like, I could just pull up the one on my phone faster. Oh, it's 37. Yeah, 37 a share. Let's see what. Wow, this app is shit. Apple, get your shit together on your stock app. I will say that. I hate that Apple makes some of their shit you don't pay for terrible. This is why they make so much fucking money, though. Because here I am being like, God, do I need to pay $9 for Apple Plus News to not have a piece of shit running app? Yes. That's the answer. Uh so yeah, Peloton was like twenty-five bucks last week. Now they're spiking up to back up to almost forty, which is still crazy, seeing as they were at a fifty-two week high of one fifty. Um But I, I again I don't think I don't think a buyout deal is on the way. I don't know if it makes sense for a lot of companies. I've heard rumors of Apple, Amazon, or Nike all being potential buyout candidates. I could see Apple maybe doing it, but Apple, it doesn't seem like something Apple would do. I could see Amazon buying them. I just don't see Apple doing it because if maybe I could see maybe like maybe Apple make like an Apple like bike, like an Apple fitness bike or something, and they could use by buying Peloton to be a way to launch that. I just feel like, but Peloton just has too much liability, too much. They're in rough shape. They got the balance sheets all messed up, they got way too much inventory. So whoever's buying them's going to pay still a bit of a, a good amount of money, and there's a lot of shit they need to get through. Now, that being said, it's a, it's a lot cheaper than they would have been. And for a company the size of Apple and Amazon, it's pennies. Not really pennies, but it's not that expensive for them to buy. Nike it seems like it might be a little rich for Nike's blood. But Amazon and Apple have more than enough cash to buy Peloton of them, and if it doesn't go well, they could be like, eh, well... It's not great, but fine. Um, so we'll see. One of the short plays I've been messing with in my Webull account, and I'm bummed that this episode was late because they went on a pop yesterday because they reported earnings. So people could have maybe bought some. But Datadog, it's, I, I started buying it because I got led onto it by the same guy who brought up Palo Alto Networks to me years ago. And I kind of like these, these cloud companies these cloud analytics security companies that are like these like not they're not small companies by any stretch but they're not massive the kind of like 25 to 50 billion dollar market caps you know i think that's what palo alto was kind of in that world when i first started investing in them was kind of in that when that in that range i forget what they're at now um as far as market cap let me double check again the apple app being great yeah, Palo Alto's fifty-two billion market cap now. Yeah, so they were like half of that when I started investing them, or probably less. So I got into Palo Alto at like one seventy-five, one eighty. It's five twenty-seven a share now. So yeah, definitely a little bit more than double. So I see the same kind of stuff with Datadog. <coughs> um, oh, damn, that just scared me. Something fell over in- and <laughs> spoke. Um, yeah, they crushed earnings. But again, any of these cloud companies do a lot of like this software, especially during this like this whole like in in a world of supply chain holdups and labor shortages. All these cloud companies and this digital money. It's like, I mean, of course that's why I'm so heavy in tech. It's like they're just gonna keep making. Mo- they're just it's so it's like software revenue is so. It's just like printing money. You just you have to do it. like you can't not. It's like so many people have to have you know, their, you know, their, their data stored and protected. And, and it's just like, that's not where we live in that world now. It's just what, it's just what it is. And so that's why I like, like, I don't know what's going to happen with the metaverse. I mean, speaking of Facebook, Jesus, what a rough time that's been. I kept saying how I, I don't own Facebook, but they're a company that will make money. And I just said that I've always said that there's better places for your money. So I'm glad I've never like fully recommended Facebook I've always said like, yeah, I've it's we'll see what prices. I, I never made a position on it. I've always said like, I mean, it's one of those, you're not going to lose money, I guess. I mean, if you bought it recently, probably lost money. It's actually crazy. I think it's past March 2020 lows now where like if you bought Facebook, it lost two years of gains in like three days. That's crazy. That's, what's, that's what can still be spooky about the stock market is how you can have just all those kind of gains just lost so fast. It, it is, you know, it's, it's hard to, to see sometimes. Um, now is Facebook getting overly punished one way or the other yet to be seen, but TikTok's really dealing them a blow right now. And, you know, Facebook might be really regretting not buying them or trying to find a way to do it. I don't know what happened if TikTok never did, you know, never wanted to sell or get an offer. I don't know. But, um, yeah, that's that's rough. Facebook' reason they're taking such a hit too is because they had, for the first time ever, they had like a, they slowed down or had a reduction in uh, active monthly users, and a lot of it was because of TikTok. And now people are questioning of how they're going to make money in the metaverse because like ninety eight, ninety nine percent of their revenue comes from ad revenue, and so they have they say they're going to make money in the metaverse, but people aren't. You know, analysts are kind of like, well, how they don't know. So again, my point to all this is. I don't invest in Facebook, but I like investing in the technology behind the metaverse, like NVIDIA. It's like all those, you know, <clears throat> all that high-end computing stuff. It's like, it's like, don't, uh, it's like it's like during the gold rush selling shovels, right? That's how I look at NVIDIA for the metaverse. It's like, yeah, don't, don't try to go sell gold, just sell the shovels. And that's what I feel like. Yeah, that's NVIDIA. And so I like kind of being, you know, doing that behind the scenes stuff. Um, all right. I think I'm going to get close to wrapping this up soon, even though, you know, we've done like a half hour. Usually I try to do 45 to an hour ish, but you know, I'm still trying to recover. I need to get some rest still. Um, but still a couple stories I want to talk about before we get out of here. Two, these are just fun stories. So we did, we talked about the stocks. Now let's do some fun stories before we get out of here. The feds made a seizure of $3.6 billion in Bitcoin. So guess what? At the current moment, the United States government is one of the biggest holders of Bitcoin. Isn't that crazy? They should just keep holding it. I don't know what they're going to do with it. But they should just keep holding it. Man, they could really make a lot of money here. If Bitcoin keeps rising and the feds have $3.6 billion worth, man... So, but anyways, this happened from a couple, a young couple, by the way. Ilya Lichtenstein and his wife, Heather Morgan. So, a couple of 34 and 31 years old. So, my age and younger. Uh, had $3.6 billion linked to a twenty sixteen 2016, 2016 hack of Bitfinex is part of the operation. Authorities detained a New York couple. This is the couple on allegations they plan to launder digital goods. So <clears throat> I don't know how they did it, but authorities accused the pair of trying to launder the proceeds of 119,754 Bitcoin. So the actual value of what they have stolen was four point five billion. What were feds were able to seize was ninety-four thousand Bitcoin around three point six billion. So there's around a billion dollars or 900 million dollars of bitcoin they still have somewhere so i'm looking forward to see what kind of lawyers they hire because they still have 900 million dollars hidden somewhere and god knows what they have in other cryptos pretty badass though i mean it kind of dude if this couple can steal 4.5 billion dollars in crypto you can do whatever your goals are too so let this be a let this be a motivating factor for you holy shit that's amazing But again, this kind of goes into this is why I read like cybersecurity stuff, and why it's, it's such an important investment. Whether whichever company you try to get into, which by the way Palo Alto Networks went on another pop this week, cause they they announced some like new software. They have like basically they use deep learning AI for cybersecurity, so now they can like the basically like AI can like catch cyber hacks as they're happening and f- deal with them in real time. It's crazy. It's like sci-fi movie shit but they announced this new software this week and so palo Alto's going back up and doing well uh well was we'll see what happens the rest of the week with this inflation news and sell-offs and shit like that but again reiterating cybersecurity is good to have because just like with everything crypto is going to keep getting hacked everything has a portal everything is digital everything has a you know a way everyone has a way to hack you can your refrigerator can be a a way to hack into your whole system and have your live livelihood stolen from you now if you have a smart fridge so, there's so many ways to do it now. So, you got to be protected. Um, and, of course, crypto is going to be a massive target, as always. Scammers took home $14 billion in cryptocurrency last year, which is insane. That's just Bitcoin. Other, you know, uh, currencies are going to get hacked as well. Um, there was an Ethereum Solana hack last month for about $320 million alone. So, big, big money. Of course, law enforcement, the feds came out and were like, we're we're going to show you that this cryptocurrency is still not a safe haven for money. Which, yeah, sure. But like I said, this couple that you got still has $900 million somewhere. So, uh, yes and no. <laughs> so, we'll see what kind of defense those, that couple can hire uh, with that kind of cash. And then, uh, last sports story to get out of here. Or sports story. Fun story, but it is a sports story. Um, Related to the Super Bowl Super Bowl is coming up this weekend Depending on when you listen to this The game could have already happened But I think the line is four and a half To the Rams Anyways, but there's been like a record I think there's going to be Eight billion dollars bet On the Super Bowl this year According to uh, Vegas Yeah, Americans expected to bet Nearly eight billion dollars in the Super Bowl So It kind of makes it harder to hear Like it, it makes me feel two ways, right? When you hear that, you like, it makes you want people to be like, okay, why are people complaining about rising costs of everything? But then you're like, maybe this is why eight billion dollars is being gambled. Someone's like, should I spend my last fifty dollars on a bag of apples or on the Rams to cover? And it's a, it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's not the worst idea. It's not a bad and you know. <laughs> so, uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm just joking. But it's like, that, hey, maybe, maybe. I think that's a co- a country betting that much money is co- to me is kind of indicative of uh, maybe a decline here because rich people don't really. Of course, rich people spend money and gamble, but generally that's not the case. We all know that generally rich people aren't making up a bulk of sports betting. So <clears throat> it's just like the lottery. Yeah, a rich person might buy a ticket every once in a while, but let's be honest. It's not who buys most of the tickets. It's lower income folks who are just being like, I hope this is my ticket out. So eight billion. I don't own DraftKings stock. I remember buying it, um, like over a year ago, and just bought. It was like a short play. I just bought it and held it for maybe even just a couple of months and got rid of it. So, uh, I'm gonna look up DraftKings right now and see what it's. I know it's a stock that Kathy Wood kept buying, and I know it took some heat. It wasn't doing as hot. Um, see what it's at. Just curious. Oh my gosh. Okay, never mind. I'm glad I don't still hold it. I remember buying it in like the 40s and selling it in like the 50s or 60s. Yeah, cuz the 52 week high it was 74. So I came in and out of it and now it's at $22 Oh shit. Damn, maybe it's worth scooping up now. I don't know. I don't know enough about it. I'm like I shouldn't just say that based on the on the on the stock price. But Damn, that's why when I talk about, like, people keep saying, like, oh, man, the market crash is coming. Like, dude, for some of these companies, it's already here. What are you talking about? Going from $74 a share to 17 I mean, uh, how much more of a crash do you want? So, hopefully uh, not too much more. But, like I said, use first quarter this year as a cash build moment or a time to build cash. So, because I have to. And I think it's not a bad time to anyways. Like I know there's still some buying opportunities out there, but even at some of these nicer prices, I'm hesitant because I don't know if we're still going to see a little bit more pain just because like I said, we overreact to everything now and this inflation news isn't going to slow down. So just kind of like last year or no, not last year, uh, 2020 keep, man, it's so crazy. It's 2022, 2021 was, uh, uh, still a good year, but obviously all like all over the place. Um, but the sentiment was starting to fall a little bit. Like people weren't as aggressive. They weren't as bullish. 2020, it just, the sentiment, like investor sentiment was just so high, especially towards the end of the year, that you almost were just buying stock to ride that wave. Now, looking back, trimming the positions on some of them would have been not the worst idea, but it's always hard to, to plan. It's always hard to time that. Um, but I know a lot of people are learning some painful lessons in that regard. So, uh, it myself included with some stocks, but you know, like I said, if you have a couple of winners, they can eat out, they can beat out some of the losers. So just, you know, we're all focused on the long game. So although we have short-term pain, whatever it's short-term, we'll make it, we'll make it through just like how I almost died of food poisoning. I felt the other night we'll, we'll be all right. So, um, yeah, be safe, hold on tight. That's all I got for you. Bye.